What do adults fear more than death? Yes, dogs, but also speaking in public. You watch in awe as a presenter commands the stage, works the audience, and finishes to a rousing finale. Is it nurture or nature? Is it a learnt skill or is that person just a natural? I'm Melissa Abbey and I'm lucky enough to have Ian Gotts with me. His energetic and witty style seems effortless, yet he still manages to get over serious business issues and challenges the audience. Ian runs the highly rated High Impact Presentations or High IP course for business speakers, so I've asked him to think about his top 10 ideas for you as speakers to think about. So Ian, let's get started. Presenting to a large audience is always a daunting proposition. How do you make an impact? Well, I've got something I call 90-90. The first 90 seconds is actually 90% of the impact. And most presentations go wrong way before they get on stage. And it's all about preparation. And many of you have heard of the five Ps. Uh, preparation pre prevents piss poor performance. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. I ha actually haven't heard that before, but that's brilliant, Ian. But if you think of a pilot, a pilot would never get in an aeroplane and take it into the air unless they had their pre-flight checks. And I think the same is true for a presentation. And that's all about preparation, making sure that you're really about to command the audience before you walk on stage. Hmm. So what are you trying to achieve from a presentation? Is it that the audience has learned something or they agree with your point of view or that they'll buy your product? Whether you've got 10 minutes, uh, an hour, an hour and a half, it doesn't really matter. You really only have time to get one really substantive point across. So this is not about how much information can we dump on the audience. What you need to do is really connect with the audience, challenge them, make them think. You need to connect emotionally with them. So this is not just the transfer of information. If you think about it, stories are emotional and people remember stories. Facts aren't and people don't remember facts. Mm. So what we're trying to do is just get one point over and then support it with various bits of information, be they stories or something which the audience can connect with. And then finally, you want them to take some sort of action. So let's sum that up. You want them to think, feel, and do. Mm. Yeah, I like that, easy to remember. So how do you really get the message across? Well, you think it would be words, but all the research says that actually there are three elements. There are the words, the tone, and all the nonverbal activities. And it's quite interesting about the relative balance. And I was presenting to a group of young entrepreneurs, in fact, eight-year-olds, eight to ten-year-olds at a local school. Wow. And I asked them uh, what the relative percentages were and, and saw, looked out at a sea of blank stares. Mm. And I said, well, hang on, think about it. Words, tonality, nonverbal, what's the relative percentages? And it wasn't until the, the teacher actually uh, smiled at me and said, actually, they haven't done percentages yet. So we went back and had to work out what <laughs> a percentage see. was. Right. But if you, if you do the research or read any of the research, it's only 7% is words. Right. 38% is tone, pace, volume, tonality, <laughs> yeah. and maybe some gaps. Right. 55% is nonverbal. Mm -hmm. It's what you wear, where you stand, how you move, your animations, the props you've got. Mm -hmm. So if you think back to the last presentation you gave, 
and you were spending the night before agonizing over your presentation. What did you worry about? You worried about the 7%, the words. Did you think about how you were going to emphasize the point? Did you think about where you were going to stand? Yeah. Yeah, I think absolutely spot on those points. Yeah, important stuff. All that, all that nonverbal communication which we pick up on, and a lot of it's subconscious, really. So, what thoughts do you have in terms of structuring the presentation? I've always been told: tell them what you're going to tell them, tell, and then tell them what you've told them. Nice idea, but I think probably that is too um, too structured. Or uh, it's actually that's the way everyone presents and it gets boring. Clearly you need that big start. I talked about 1990. What is it the one emotive statement, the, uh, the, the quote that you read, the prop that you bring on, which actually brings it all to life? So don't start with, I don't, and my agenda is, or don't start with an apology. Actually, I'm really sorry more of you couldn't have been here. Mm. Uh, don't start with, oh, by the way, my name is Ian Gotts and I do this, 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 because nobody really cares. Start with something impactful. Right. I'm, I'm with you there. So then, then the issue is that you've, you're all keyed up, loads of adrenaline, so you've got a big start. Then what happens is the energy wanes over the time of uh, your presentation. Your energy drops and so does the audience's. Mm-hmm. So you need to keep on changing pace. People don't hear words they hear differences in pace pace, differences in tone so you need to keep on changing it maybe to tell some different stories use some visual aids something which actually breaks that up every 10 minutes or so and then you need to make sure you keep your energy up for the big finish because that's what people remember and it doesn't matter whether it's one presentation to five people which is essentially a meeting or whether you're the an important presentation in, in a day's conference you need to make sure you stand out around everything around you. Mm. So how do you avoid the presentation slowly losing energy and droning on and on? Uh, it's interesting. I, I, was, uh, I was the keynote at a, a drugs uh, conference in Prague. And uh, I went on, did my presentation. The guy who followed me had 30 slides, 12-point font, and he stood and read them all. I'm sure he was an expert in his own field, but he lost absolutely everybody in the audience. Mm. So as I said, change of pace. Hear people hear changes. If you think about an electric drill, it doesn't just have one speed. It can go really, really fast because you're excited. And it can go slowly because you want to drill slowly. So have the picture of that drill in your mind about changing pace. Mm-hmm. That's a good image. The other thing actually is about taking breaks. That was only three seconds, yeah. and you were desperate to jump in there. Yeah. For me, that sounded like an eternity. If I do a five-second stop, because I want to emphasize a point, that felt like five minutes. But for the audience out there, they're sitting there thinking, they're just absorbing the last thought, and people are so desperate to get all the words out that they don't give them time to compose themselves, don't give the audience time to think about what's been said. So think about taking breaks. Mm, Yeah. And the last thing is that I was running uh, one of my training courses and someone came up to me and said, this is sort of of like acting, isn't it? Mm. And I said, no. And he he looked slightly confused. He said, no, no, it is acting. I think most business speakers tend to be very formal. They hide behind the lectern. They stand still. They're not theatrical. They don't bring it to life. They don't connect emotionally with the audience. Mm -hmm. So think about being slightly more theatrical. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, I'm definitely with you there. I think uh, the more entertaining, the better. So you've rehearsed and prepared. You get off to your strong start. How do you make the conclusion or final point really stick in people's minds? Well, as I said, this presentation, whether it's uh, just a meeting or a big conference, they're only going to remember one idea. So what was it you started with? What was it you structured the whole presentation around? What was the key thrust? And how do you sum that up really, really tightly? And one way of thinking about it is you get charged uh, five dollars, five euros, five pounds for every word. So a finish that says, uh, and in conclusion, we're really happy that you could consider our product and it's probably the best one in the market. You've just spent about a hundred bucks there. How the alternative would be Product X, the only choice, $25. So how tight can you make it? And at the end of that conclusion, those five, six, seven words, pause and let that point sink in. Mm, very, very good point. So should you take questions afterward? And if so, how do you make sure that you don't lose control? Well, I started at the beginning of this interview about talking about preparation. You need to know far, far more about your subject than you're actually presenting if you're prepared to take questions because that is the point of maximum risk. That's where the audience can take control. Mm -hmm. So first of all, if you're going to take questions, do it because you plan to, not because you simply finished early and went, uh, uh, actually, has anybody got any questions? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to take questions, formally say, I have two minutes for questions. Who has the first question? Yeah. And then you wait. It may take two, three, four, five seconds before people come up with their question. They're as scared as you are. You're on stage, you've been presenting, they've got to ask a question. So give them time to ask the question. Look at the audience and smile. Yeah. Yeah, but the point. next thing is preparation around those questions. So what are the 10 questions you don't want to be asked? Because I'm sure that someone in the audience is gonna ask them. So if you prepared the answers to those, then you don't look like you're fluffing. Right, okay. Good. Then the other point, of course, is that um, you've got those uh, those questions, and then someone wants to get into more and more and more detail. Right. How do you close that off? Yeah. The easiest way of saying, rather than having a detailed conversation with one person in the audience, is to say, "Okay, I'm sure I'm more than happy to spend time talking to you about this, but it probably isn't relevant to go into this level of detail for the whole audience. Let's take this offline." Yeah. Excellent. Final point is that. At the end of the presentation, you had your big finish. You planned it, your five, six, seven words. You get to the end of the questions, and the last thing the audience remembers is you having a debate about why your product doesn't satisfy standard X or why your yeah. argument is flawed. Yes. That's what people remember. Yeah. So at the end of the Q&A, go back and say, and if you remember, in conclusion, and then repeat your strong finish. Yes, very, very good point. Mm. Now, you've said nothing about PowerPoint or other visual aids. Um, you're not suggesting that we don't use PowerPoint, are you? I'd love it if people didn't use PowerPoint as much as they did. But I'm not suggesting for people who present relatively infrequently that they're, we're going to do away with PowerPoint. It's a very strong visual aid. Everybody has it as a standard. It works. But let's not use it as a crutch. Let's not use it as a preparation tool. Mm-hmm. It should enhance your presentation, not drive it. Yeah. So let's not substitute that for preparation. Yep. 
The biggest issue is most people prepare a, prep a presentation by booting up PowerPoint and starting to dump in bullet points. Let's think about what the key point is and let's l use PowerPoint to enhance the few key points, whether it be a graph, an image, or maybe actually some words. And a, a couple of interesting metrics there. One is, think about the size of font. Think about the oldest person in the room. Maybe they're 50. Halve their age, that's the smallest font you can use. 25 point font. Mm. But why, why should you use PowerPoint? Why couldn't you use some props instead? Operational risk and compliance. A pretty dry and boring subject, you might expect. But a prop there is a suitcase. How's that work? Well, operational risk, Terminal 5 is a big issue at the moment. Actually, their processes weren't in place. They didn't actually work out what the risks were, and consequently they've got a big reputational and financial issue. Yeah. What's the prop? The prop is, I've only got a little suitcase because I didn't want to check it into Terminal 5 because of the risk issues. That brings it to life. So start to think about how you can use props creatively rather than simply dumping words onto a PowerPoint slide. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And the last little point is that if you've got PowerPoint up there, how do you get rid of the, uh, the PowerPoint slide when you want to go and tell your story? Two little keys. If you're running a PowerPoint show and you hit B, it will toggle the screen black and you hit B, it will bring the PowerPoint slide up again. Or if you hit W, it will make it white. And when you hit W again, it will bring the PowerPoint slide back up. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying don't use it, but I'm saying use it sparingly. Use it so it enhances what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's a little known thing, but uh, a little sort of a, a magic thing about PowerPoint. Now, um, finishing on time is really important. If not for you, certainly for the organizers. Any helpful hints and tips on this one? Well, first of all, it's preparation. Rehearse. Not rehearse as in on the train, on the way to the, uh, the meeting, just reading through the, the uh, slides. But actually rehearse out loud, for real, with somebody else who can comment on your intonation, whether the pauses worked, who can draw you out and, and actually encourage you to do better. The second thing is as you gain more experience, you'll become less reliant on PowerPoint, so you'll be less reliant on the 15 slides which drive you through the 35-minute presentation. And you can use more stories. And as uh, if there's less audience participation and you have more time, then, of course, you could tell a few more stories mm -hmm. to support the case. Mm -hmm. But finishing early is okay. Don't finish early and suddenly go, uh, uh, oh, I've got some spare time. Why don't I take some questions? Unplanned. Yeah. Finishing early, whether it's five minutes early, is great. The organiser will love you. But the way to really get the organiser to love you is if they're running over to go up to them and say, I know I'm scheduled for 40 minutes. Do you want me to do half an hour to help you catch up? They'll love you forever and you'll get invited back. <laughs> I'm sure. All right, Ian, so the big question, is it nurture or nature? I think that if you are a naturally bubbly personality, you're outgoing, then clearly you're going to be better at presenting. But it's a learnt skill. Uh, it's the skill which will probably enhance your career more than anything else. Because I'm not talking about standing in front of, say, 5,000 people at a conference. I'm talking about in front of your team, whether it's three people, actually presenting your board report, presenting to senior management. These are the same skills you would use, uh, whether it's two people, 2,000 people. So absolutely, you need to get good at it. But again, like any muscle, 
if you don't actually exercise it, it doesn't get strong. And how many times do you ever use a chance to, to actually go and present? Mm-hmm. So take, exa- take the opportunities, whether it's at the, uh, uh, at the school, whether it's presenting to school children, whether it's at the college, whether it's to the scout troop, somewhere where you can present where it's safe. Mm-hmm. Go and actually exercise that muscle and exercise it properly. This is not like going to the gym where you walk around the gym, lift a couple of weights up, put them back down again, uh, you've, seen, you've been there and walk away. This is actually exercising and doing it for real, testing yourself, stretching yourself, trying new things, trying different props, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. You need to be the best you that you can be. You may be very calm and collected, enhance that style. You may be very bouncy or other places, enhance that style. Let's not try and make you something you're not going to be. But the key thing here is there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. Go out and practice. Mm, Yeah, good advice. That was great. Thank you, Ian.